Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. We're glad to have you with us here this morning. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Kairos Partnerships and Missio Alliance. It's good to be with you, Doug. You too, JR. A little bit chilly outside. Yeah. You know, February is just a really interesting month for a lot of people. Agreed. We've talked before about the ministry cycles and kind of the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the momentum in certain seasons. What do you find with the people in your church regarding February? Uh, I can think of two people uh, just off the top of my head where just about every year for the last eight years, I have gotten an uh, email text or phone call saying, Hey, this is a really hard month for me. And, and, you know, I'm just really feeling down and whether they realize it's a hard month or not, it's the same month every single year. And it's always February. Yeah. And what is it about February? Oh my gosh. I, I, I mean, for the Northeast, it's like the most miserable month in, you know, in all of winter. It's like sometimes spring sort of teases you, but for the most part, it's just gross and dreary outside. And really it just feels dark. Um, you know, part of me wonders too: is it is it sort of the 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 kickback from uh, a month of January? It feels like a lot of things are new and exciting, and uh-huh. then all of a sudden there's this backpedal of man, I'm I'm back into my old patterns or, or old stuff, and so I wonder if people sometimes feel that. I I don't know. It just it feels like the seasonal depression really hits mm. in February, opposed to any other time of the year. Maybe sometimes throughout the holidays, but it's different. It's a different kind of. Uh, despair that I, I've noticed. How about you? Yeah. February seems to be where people are worn out again, at least in the North. I know in the South, you guys aren't in Florida. You guys aren't worrying about, <laughs> about that uh, as much, but um, where people just feel worn out from a long winter and it's still lingering. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I, I've joked in the past with other people before that February being the shortest month of the year is God's grace. It just allows us to kind of get to March. Not that the calendar changing, you know, changes a whole lot on the needle, but um, but I think it does help even us mentally of knowing, okay, it's March, like spring's coming soon. February just feels like we're kind of stuck in the doldrums of winter. And uh, and we've, yeah, we felt that people call and say, I don't even know why I'm down. I just feel like I need to just ask for prayer and need to talk to somebody. And I, I can't even name it. I'm just really down and I'm worn out. And, and uh, yeah, February in the Northeast is, is not a very pretty uh, time to be in the Northeast. Yep. And uh, people have been cooped up and sometimes sicknesses have, have kind of oh, ripped through the houses. Sicknesses. And so there's this like, we're worn out as a family physically, we're worn out emotionally uh, on that. So I, yeah, if that's, if some of our listeners, if that's where you're at or you're sensing in your congregation, like you can just give a head nod and, a, and an amen outside. If you're on the treadmill, <laughs> it's okay. It won't be weird. Or if you're out driving around in your car, especially if you're by yourself. But, but we've, we've talked to others that feel that. And that's real. And it makes sense. I'm, you have a, you know, your month begins with everyone waiting to see what a stupid groundhog's going to do. And, <laughs> you know, and it ends sometimes with like 29 days and 28. It's, it's a mess. And the middle of that is this Hallmark created <laughs> holiday of Valentine's oh, Day. I hate that holiday. So, man, if we won't do it here, but if you see what the life of St. Valentine is actually about, I think he'd be mortified what we've turned this day into. He would not be happy. Because that dude was legit. (laughs) Just do do some searches on on St. Valentine. He wasn't that interested in cards. (laughs) No, but man, that dude just oozed love. He did. And uh, love and compassion. So we sort of moved it from phileo and agape to eros in terms of our our celebration of that day, but just, just like with, uh, which maybe we get to in March, but St. Patrick's day, what we've done to St. Patrick, man, that dude would be rolling in his grave. But seriously, uh, if he knew what we did today, Irish green drink a lot. And he'd be (laughs) like, that's nothing what I cared about. Nothing. His Jesus focused missionary movement was amazing. But but anyway, that's March. This is February. February. Sorry. Sorry to kick us out of March again. But, uh, but yeah. So if you're in that space, like, you know, just a few recommendations we would have to just, what what do you do if you're in the midst of that? I think first thing is just to name it. Yes. You know, they say naming things tames things. So just name it, name it and tame it. This is a hard month. This is hard. Share it with somebody else. Uh, even for you as a pastor, I think if you're feeling that, that's important to just name it. If you need to talk to somebody, whether that's a professional counselor or just a friend or a spouse, just to say, hey, can't quite put my finger on it. I just just kind of have the blues right now, feeling stuck. Um, I've always found that like 
um, when I feel that like working out is really important. We've talked about our physical, you know, bodies being connected to our souls, but I always find that February is the month where I could easily rationalize, oh, it's too cold out. I'll get to it later. But I find that it's probably more important in February for me than almost any other month because of some of the dynamics we've talked about. Yeah. So, well, any other suggestions, Doug? In Just terms one. Self care. Read, read a good fiction book in February. Ah, fiction February seems ah. to be really helpful. Ah. Um, just uh, and for me, it's always been really wrapped around my kids. So we've read some really good, really good fiction books during that season. Like even thinking for for those that aren't fiction fans, even pulling out some old C.S. Lewis stuff would be really helpful. You read the line, whatever. Just read a book that has nothing to do with. Uh, you potentially being able to look at yourself as not being good at something, but you know, just, just kind of any chocolate. I mean, if Valentine's <laughs> day brings us anything, it's on February 15th, chocolate is super cheap. So, <laughs> so use that as an opportunity to go buy some chocolate. So we go from like theological deep stuff to like go buy discounted yeah. chocolate. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, but again, if, if chocolate's your thing, but I think even in that it's, uh, it's almost like getting back to something Steve Cuss talked about way, you know, season two, he talked about your life giving list. It's like, yeah. you have to go back to that life giving yeah, list. Yeah, February. That's good, Doug. February may be a good time to return to that list. Mm. I was talking with someone last night. I met with them. They, they are looking for some direction in their life. Someone from our faith community. And, uh, and he just said, you know, I, I've, I'm, I've developed my life giving list That's awesome. from that episode with Steve Cuss. And so he was even building that last night, some more things on the list. So that was kind of cool That is uh, cool to talk to him about that. So by the way, we just love like listening or hearing from some of our listeners. And it's just been really fun to, to hear from some of you, whether it's email or in person and just saying, Hey, this has been really important and helpful. So if that's you, like uh, we, we don't know who you all are out there all the time. And so let us know. We would love to hear from you, not just if you're like it, but also, Hey, how can we improve? You know, if we could cut 20% out, what would we cut? Um, if we could interview three people you'd love to hear on the podcast, well, who are those three? We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know. And if you are enjoying it, we would love a review. So, um, feel free to do that. We, we would welcome that, but we want to get better. We're here in season three. It's great, but we want to make it even better. So we want to serve our listeners. So please let us know how we can do that. Alan Briggs is the founder and lead creative of Stay Forth Designs, an organization committed to helping leaders remain healthy. He is a leader, speaker, coach, consultant, podcaster, and writer. He's the author of several books, including Staying is the New Going, Guardrails, and Everyone's a Genius. He co-hosts the podcast called The Right Side Up Leader and releases resources and content to help leaders live into their God-given calling on a regular basis. He and his wife, Julie, have four children and live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. But the best thing about him is he's my brother. And it's an incredible gift to have a younger brother I can look up to, although I am the better looking one. How do I know? My mother told me. Enjoy this conversation with our friend and my brother, Alan Green. Well, Alan, it is good for you to join us here on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. It's not every day that someone can interview their brother on their podcast. So glad you could join us this morning. Glad to jump in. And we don't know who's older. Um, we still, our parents haven't told us actually which one's <laughs> older. Um, and no one can tell. So we don't need to talk about that either. You're, you're just being nice. Of course, I'm older and better looking. So, um, so anyway, is, is my role on. today just to be like the mediator? Like, are you guys, are you guys paying me for this session or <laughs> you're a licensed counselor, right, Doug? That's what Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no. And the great thing is that Doug has known you for the last several years too. So yeah. it's fun to, to be among friends and family here. So, you know, Alan, you work with stay forth designs. You started stay forth Designs as a way of helping leaders. So why do you care so much about leaders and their own health and formation? I started having people reach out um, after I wrote a couple books. And um, one story has marked me forever. This guy reached out and was like, man, I'm you know, doing everything that you told me to do in the books, which I was like, well, hold on a second. You know, that was more uh, descriptive than prescriptive. And he's saying, you know, 
we're doing this and we're doing that. I'm like exhausted hearing this guy talk about all this. And he had come in, I mean, several states away and he'd come in and we had like an hour before he went to the airport. And about five minutes later, he's in tears, like awkwardly crying in the corner of this cafe. And he said, I can't, like, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this. I'm alone. I'm exhausted. And I don't know how much more I have in the tank. And I think if more leaders were honest, we'd get that. Like I'm doing all the stuff. I'm doing everything that's been prescribed. I'm going down the list, but I'm exhausted. I just can't keep doing this. And I've seen the fallout of so many leaders that hit the wall and um, hit burnout for a season. Of course, God's not done with you when you do, but we hear the big public crashes. Um, But a, a lot of times I think what grieves me is the leader that's off two degrees or eight degrees or 20 degrees and realizes there's this chasm. Like where did their marriage go? Where did their life giving friendships go? where'd their hobbies go? And they often end up feeling trapped in whatever, not just pastoral ministry, whatever kind of nonprofit work, whatever kind of thing that they had this deep purpose in, they feel trapped by later on. And so I actually realized the things we were talking about, we needed to go several layers deeper and talk about what is going on underneath the thing and realize so much of it was around identity. And uh, I almost burned out about two years into ministry. I found myself engaged to an amazing woman uh, who is incredible, who is far better human than I am. Unbelievable. Uh, so excited to start my life with her, but I realized I can't do this. I can't drag my wife and eventually kids into my undisciplined living. And so that was kind of my brush with burnout early on. And um, so much of the last 10 years has been about coaching leaders more in who they are than just what they do. Mm, wow. So you know, you mentioned, um, you said something about just in terms of bringing your wife into this undisciplined life. So, you know, my sense is discipline is a really important part in terms of what you do with leaders. And so can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. The, I think the big paradigm shift is moving from reactive to proactive. I know that, um, I'm more of a spontaneous wiring and Hey, let's see what happens. And, and that works like, half a day a week for me. The rest of the week as you're a leader, people are depending on you. There are these five humans that want everything I've got when I come home from work each day. And many days I'm working out of the home as well. So it requires even more discipline. And the closer the proximity, the greater the discipline is needed. And I found that many times um, I was just sort of intertwined in so many relationships, living reactive as we can, kind of from text to text, from email to email, um, pastoral ministry has its fair share of crises and was a pastor for 13 years. And many times you wake up and say, what do I need to respond to today? And really it makes us reactive instead of active. And, um, it's interesting, Doug, that Barna, even in their state of pastors study talks about what's the difference in pastors who are happy or, or joyful or fulfilled and ones who are not. And the major theme in there was the ones who have some autonomy or freedom and actual like purpose and proactivity in what they're doing versus just feel reactive, like they're stuck in it and they have to respond to it. Like that was the major factor that determined um, how fulfilled people felt in pastoral ministry. And I think that's true probably in any area of life. And so for me, that's been, it's been huge to move from being reactive and sort of the uh, honestly laziness. I can say, oh, it's spirit led. No, it's just laziness. Uh, but I was living sort of letting life happen to me versus being proactive and controlling the things that God has asked me to control. And of course, the other side, not trying to control the things that, that only he can control. And I think a, a leader that's ordered those rightly, clarity goes up every time and overwhelm goes down. And that's just what we see happening. When proactivity goes up, we find clarity and then the overwhelm goes down. And I hate watching so many leaders live in that reactive posture which creates what I call pastoral overwhelm. Yeah. So you work with a lot of leaders. You've been in ministry for 13 years and now you're kind of caring for leaders and shepherding shepherds. Um, but uh, what are some of the themes or the patterns that you're noticing? It kind of A and B, things that are discouraging or concerning. And then what are some of the patterns or themes that you're finding that are really encouraging that make your, make your heart sing as you think about pastors and or leaders? Yeah, I'll, I'll just name several things that I, I see on not even just a monthly basis, but I think a weekly basis within those that, that I coach and kind of have coffee and fire pit conversations with as well. Um, there's tons of faithful pastors out there who are getting no press. I think we're just hearing about the ones on the edges. I think we're just hearing about the ones who kind of are killing it 
or are getting killed by it many times and are in the news. And we hear about the 10% on either side, but I'm just reminded there's so many faithful pastors that are not getting any press. And that's one reason I love this podcast is many of those people you guys are talking to and reminding of that. So I think that's helpful to see. And that's always encouraging when I'll go and speak to leaders thinking these are the ones who are just salt of the earth, faithful. They are getting it done. They love people. They keep showing up. We need more of those. Uh, I see a ton of pastoral overwhelm on the other side of that. I see um, the, the desire or the need um, to be noticed. And, and I felt that and I wrestle with that. I think we all do in this culture of, of celebrity, uh, but there's so much pastoral overwhelm that reactive versus proactive that we were talking about. Uh, I'm encouraged by a huge spike in team right now, team leadership. I think we're going to see a lot of team succession where one pastor that carried the ball for 20 or 30 or 40 years is going to pass it to a team of three. Um, I think we're seeing team decision-making team preaching and teaching team communication um, executive teams, um, versus just, you know, sort of within the, the rise of boomers was, you know, sort of that one leader many times we're realizing that is incredibly unhealthy and most times actually. So I, I'm encouraged by that, um, seeing a ton of burnout and near burnout. And so that overwhelm that's leading to, um, I think forcing us, pressuring us to the, all the communication outputs. I mean, if you think about it, pastors, there's usually seven or eight ways people can reach a pastor. And it used to be they had to call the church or they had to have that person's number and call their home, but it could be text. It could be Facebook message. It could be their personal email, their church email, go through an assistant. If they have one, um, any app they're on has messaging that you can go through. And I mean, it takes so much discipline to be able to not answer every single message that comes to you at, at all, at all times. So I think there's a huge piece of it is the, the burnout that can come from just answering all the communication inputs, um, in our lives. I think the pressures, uh, are mounting the pressure to be an amazing communicator. I mean, when you are being compared to some of the amazing communicators, um, that are, you know, throwing videos out on Instagram or YouTube or podcasts, um, that's just not a fair comparison. Um, the pressure for multi-campus church, the pressure to grow big, um, those kind of things on maybe that 5% of the ones that you're hearing about on the front end, um, and I think that the growing need for past, for pastors to have friends, maybe pastoral safety of just who do you go with, you know, on a Friday night to have fun? Who's that fire pit conversation you're going to have? Um, who do you go play golf with or go fly fishing with Doug or whatever that is somebody that doesn't need you. I think that, um, need for that is growing because, um, so many pastors are misunderstood. Um, uh, but I think there's a lot of encouraging things going on right now. I think the, the discouraging things get a lot of press. Um, but I'm always amazed by the amount of just faithful leaders, um, that aren't comparing themselves to other leaders, but just are going for it. Mm. So you mentioned those faithful leaders. Is there a particular one that comes to mind right now that you're just like, man, this guy is just under the radar. This gal is just under the radar, but she, I'm just so proud of fill in the blank. There's two, uh, there, there's an individual and a group and, and I'll start with the group. There's this group of pastors down in Alabama and I was invited to go and spend some time with them and they were so loving, so caring, so hospitable. And there's this disciple making movement that really is breaking out among pastors in Alabama. And it kind of caught my attention. They're going away together. They're having fun together. Um, their elder boards and teams are all about it. Go away, refresh with other pastors and leaders. They process what's going on uh, in their lives, the, the pain. They laugh together and, and have a lot of fun. They eat well together. Um, but they're talking about the things of the soul. And they actually allow space for pastors to say, I've never been discipled before. That can be a shameful thing for pastors to admit. And they're not only letting them admit that, but then saying, let's sort of disciple one another. And so I just don't see anybody else sort of doing it at that level. And that's been incredibly encouraging, especially in the South. The pressures of the South are completely different than Northeast or Colorado where I live. And so I've just been amazed by that and I've been tracking along with that. And, and actually we gave an award to uh, somebody who's leading something called Passion Tree down there. Um, who's inviting pastors into that and actually inviting pastors into some of their side hustles as well, where they are, um, you know, needing to make some extra money or just doing something that excites them is inviting them into that. And I think that's actually re-energizing their heart for pastoral ministry and um, kind of a mini move of God there, which has been beautiful. 
Um, there's a gal that I'm coaching and her name is Madeline and her family's originally from Cuba. They came here as refugees. I mean, just a crazy story. Uh, and is in a small town and it just continues to be faithful, continues to love the down and out. And Madeline has gotten healthy and um, through our coaching process, it just kind of seems to be waking up from that reactivity to this proactivity. And she is like a completely different person than when we started the coaching process. Uh, Madeline's incredible. And God's doing some pretty incredible things in this small town. And uh, a lot of the rural pastors, Doug, I just really admire because that's mm. not the space you go to get noticed is rural America pastoring. But many times, just the, the faithfulness, um, the grit that they have, many of them have to work two and three jobs just to make it work financially, um, the kind of boundaries they need to have uh, to be able to live in small town America and to be able to deal with sometimes um, the gossip train and those kind of things and continue to stay steadfast and faithful. But those are some of the people that I admire right now. So you co-host a podcast called The Right Side Up Leader. Talks about a lot of these stories that you've you've just mentioned, and also some of the things we've talked about with health and burnout and care for ourselves and care for others. Um, why did you start it? If we're not hearing things, we actually believe that they don't exist. And you know, everybody's saying these days that you know we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time around. Uh, and I think as we get older, I believe that. I believe that the inputs in my life matter a lot. And so we are trying to change the Christian leadership conversation. I know you guys are as well. That has been so much about some of those lead measures and not about, um, or so much about those lag measures um, and not as much about the lead measures. What can we control? So if we're not hearing about it, we think it's actually not happening. And so many times we just want to platform the leader that's maybe known for their success. Maybe you've heard about or read their book, but you don't know the habits behind the leader. And we also want to remind people, we say it every episode, you can lead for the long haul without losing your soul. And it's amazing how many people think I have to choose being healthy or being a leader. And those two are not in their intention, but they are not directly opposed to one another. And how many times we think, man, I'm actually going to have to live over here in obscurity and not, not do anything big with my life, um, or I can actually stay healthy. And so we're trying to blend those together. And uh, it's, been, it's been really fun. We're a year into the podcast. And as you guys know, um, it kind of goes in spurts and whatnot. And we'll have, you know, record a bunch and batch a bunch. And um, as weird as it is, like maybe this makes me a nerd, but Somebody asked me, what's your favorite podcast? And I was like, ours, because I get <laughs> to talk to the people behind it. You know, like yeah. this part of it is, you know, it's 10, 15 minutes ahead of time and 10, 15 minutes afterwards. And I can honestly say I admire every single guest more after they've come on than before because they go, wow, they're the real deal. Or they're just so kind and they're just so courteous and they could just come in and be a prima donna and just, you know, drop 15 minutes of wisdom and go, uh, but I've just been so impressed by the quality of leaders and think, man, there's some amazing thought leaders out there that are shaping the conversation. Mm. Alan, that's so true. I think uh, <laughs> when people ask me, well, I don't think anyone's actually asked me what my favorite podcast is. So I'll just pretend you just did. And yeah, it's mine. I mean, I, I you know, the one that JR and I get to do, because you're right, there's something about that, you know, just to be able to sit down with these leaders that not everyone has a chance to, um, and, uh, just to see like them as a person. I mean, I, I can remember being a, being a, a very young Christian, uh, at a Christian college and like going up to some of the speakers and just feeling so dumb, um, and having these moments of just like, I don't even know what to say to this person. I just feel like I need to go. And then, but to have the kind of the accessibility, there just seems to be this new wave of, authentic leaders that are, are just done with kind of the, you know, let's just keep put on the facade and make sure everything looks good because I think we've, we've all seen it. Like we've seen where that train goes and it's just not pretty. Uh, it is, it's not pretty at all. And, and I think some of that too is even coming into the, the idea of like, there's just this great opportunity that we have to tell, to steward these stories really well. And I, and I think you're right. I think what, what you guys are getting at, you know, that, that the idea of just realizing, man, we want to hear the practices behind the person. I think what we see is we just begin to see how God is really at work. And it's, it's almost like this is an, even a very encouraging season because there are these amazing stories of 
faithful men and women serving in small towns, serving in big cities, but just staying with it for the long haul. Um, you know, you, you talked about pastoral over, I think you call it pastoral overwhelm. Um, what are some of the markers that you would say, I know, you know, um, my sense is people feeling tired and burned out, but like, I'm just thinking of the people who are listening right now who may be thinking like, am I burned out? Am I not? What are some markers that you look for or that you would just have pastors pay attention to? Yeah, I think if we've lost the belief that we can experience abundant life, then it's only a matter of time before everything else goes. And what we say is abundant life is not a unicorn. And we treat this idea of abundant life like a legend from a storybook. Like that was cute when Jesus said that. But that abundant life is possible. And that that Jesus invites us into it, right? Amidst the, the brokenness of this world. And so I've noticed that when leaders sort of just live reactive, back to the proactive reactive, thinking like, man, I'm just kind of going to do the best I can to eke it out each day, then we lose by percentages um, each day and find ourselves literally living sort of by the essence of slavery is that we have no freedom and no autonomy. And the opposite being true, when we have freedom, we have the ability to say, man, like I could finish early today and go pick up my kids and surprise them from school, or I could go take a nap for 30 minutes, or or I could go and work out again. Like there's some space there. And I think when we feel so locked into, I'm 102% full on my schedule, we're just reactors. We're just cogs. And so I think that's what I see that kind of leads to leaders being threadbare. I know for myself, when I'm in a bad spot, I find myself um, waking up and it's that, that first thought, that first breath of the day, it is, oh man, I better catch up. Like I'm already behind at 5am versus, oh man, I can't believe I get to do what I'm invited into today. Like I woke up pumped that I get to have conversations on the air with you guys and with others on our podcast. Like, I can't believe I get to do this. Even if it was just for two hours of my day, I can't believe that that's a piece of what God has invited me or called me into. And so I, I pay attention to it by feelings in and of myself. Um, but I also think that play piece is huge. I think whenever a pastor says, I have no idea what I do for fun, I say, what do you do for fun, man? You know, what do you do on the weekends? Uh, what would your dream day off look like? And people don't know. I think that's a warning signal, but it's so common. So it's no judgment. But I think in the mid 30s to probably 50, we're so busy with our kids and, you know, we're good at sacrifice, um, but we're not as good at living out of that joy and that abundance mentality. So those are a few things I pay attention to. Obviously, time. um, We try to move people away from the idea of time management to energy investment. Where are you investing your best energy? And um, not all hours are equal. JR and I are huge believers in this book, Deep Work. And I just think that if we don't set aside time for it, it just doesn't happen. You get to the end of the week and say, what did I do this week? So those would be some markers, Doug, that I see of that overwhelm that just kind of gnaws at our, at our souls slowly. Alan, how do you stay healthy? You know, exercise is a huge deal for me because I found that it's like the domino effect that sets the other things off. Like I used to say, I used to feel unspiritual saying that exercise is a keystone habit. And I thought, oh man, like exercise and play, like those don't feel very spiritual, like fly fishing or, you know, going out for a run. And we live in Colorado. So I like to exercise on a mountain bike when I can. Um, But what I've found is then I have the energy to spend time with the Lord. Then I have like, my prayers are just more um, robust and I'm outside. My prayers, when my body is ready, um, are just kind of thicker and, um, just have a little bit more weight to them versus the fast sort of, you know, prayer in passing. I played basketball for the last, um, about 10 years with the same guys. So I block off Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, 1130 to 130. I'm busy. People don't ask, what are you busy with? I have a previous engagement. So if you ever ask me at that time, you'll know I'm, I'm playing basketball, but I can't think about anything else when I'm playing basketball or fly fishing or mountain biking. Um, I'll wreck on a mountain bike or, you know, I'll get hit by a ball in the face or whatever. I'm so focused on that. Um, quiet, just quiet silence is huge for me. We have four kids. And so I get up early because that's the time when there's no like other humans beating on each other or screaming or, uh, you know, lunches that need to be packed. So that time for me in the morning is huge, but in order to do that, um, sleep is key for me. So, um, I'm, I'm old man. I, I go to bed early and, um, I'm ready, but if I exercise well, 
And if my diet, you know, is, is half decent and I, um, you know, I'm tired at the right time. It's amazing how, um, I don't even really need caffeine, but I love it. I love my coffee in the morning versus feel like I'm sort of slave to it. Like I have to have my, my coffee cause I'm just surviving. Um, so that's been big. And then I need about, um, half a day a week of spontaneity. I need some kind of adventure or spark. It could be a, a run to a new place on a Saturday morning. It could be an adventure with one of my kids. It could be, um, going to a thrift store or an antique store or just something. I need a little bit of spark or adventure for me. Uh, on the weekend to work from rest and instead of just to rest from work. One of the questions we like to ask on the podcast is what lies are you tempted to believe as a leader or in ministry? So what lies are you tempted to believe, Alan? Most of it for me is around production and therefore busyness. And my wiring is, is one that likes to stay frenetically busy. Um, but that's actually what will burn me out. And so if, if I believe that what I do is more valuable than who I am, then I better be producing. Then there's no time for a nap or there's no time for something that doesn't produce um, or look good on paper. And so that's the lie that I'm constantly having to both confess and to say, God, help me unlearn um, this, that, that who I am truly is more important than what I do. So if you, that's good. If you had three or four minutes to talk to every pastor in America and they had to listen to you for that time, what would you want to tell them? I think I would remind them of that exact thing. I think I would remind them, and I do, I love to share this, that God loves you for who you are, not what you do. But let this take the pressure off that God doesn't need us, but for whatever crazy reason, chooses to use us. And the busier I get, the more I think God needs me. And the, sl- the more I slow down, the more I realize, turns out God is spinning the world just fine on his finger. Oh, like things actually worked better when I was away and out of my email. Like that Sabbath for me is that reminder that I don't have to continue to carry all of these things and I get to pick them back up. Um, and sometimes I don't tell pastors anything. I either just give them a hug or treat them to a meal. Uh, and I've just found that those spaces are so powerful with pastors. Let's go get around a fire pit. Um, cause it takes you back to when you were a little kid, let's go fishing. Let's go do something that's fun together. Um, that is, that doesn't require any work together. And that actually shows them that. And so many times we're actually like preaching to ourselves, the very gospel that we preach from pulpits, but we struggle to believe on Monday morning or on Tuesday night or on, you know, Thursday evening when we're exhausted and and don't think we actually produced anything that week. of um, so much of what you're talking about, I think resonates deeply with, with me and with other pastors. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is, can you share us a story about you and JR growing up? Like just something that's just off the wall, crazy. I, I just careful, want to, Alan, careful. <laughs> I just want to hear something, you know, meaty and good. <laughs> so let me preface it with this. <laughs> that JR was an incredibly nice older brother. So he didn't pay me me to to say that, but was just like always inviting his turd little younger brother into stuff with his friends. Um, So we actually don't have all that many uh, things. We were kind of racking our brains a little bit when JR came on our podcast and um, we don't have all that many things together. I mean, I think there were like, I, I remember like a pious moment where we were trying to burn some CDs that weren't even all that bad. It wasn't like they were like, you know, rap, rap songs, dropping F-bombs. And they were like, you know, mediocre lyrics uh, to songs. And I remember being like, you know, hey, um, and I think JR maybe started with the, the conviction, but it was like, man, like garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. And um, somehow JR had left the lighter really close to this burning pile or melting pile of CDs. <laughs> and uh, it blew up in both of our faces. But I think there were definitely some eyebrows missing at that point. There was some that smell yeah. of skin. Yeah, I had to take three showers and still it didn't 
like yeah, my eyebrows. I remember <laughs> the like tops of my hands, the hair on my like hands and my knees got burned off. So we had like our own Shadrach, so, Meshach, so, and Abednego moment. So you must, you were like actually in prayer over this when it exploded. Because if like your well, knees, hands, if I remember, and eyebrows right, remember go. Remember those jewel cases and yeah. the, like the lyric sheets oh, and yeah. how they're like really slick. Oh yeah. You know, like like a magazine slick. They weren't lighting real well. So I was like holding the lighter on them oh, and they weren't no. burning like I thought they would burn with paper. <laughs> and then, yeah, I put the lighter in front of me. Because it got hot. I need to let it cool down. And a spark came off and then hit the lighter and blew up in my face. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think we both, that's why Alan still doesn't have hair. So. <laughs> JR's, yeah, true story. <laughs> JR's like, he's he's the one still that's always reminding me of the dates. Like I'm awful with dates, but I think partially because I was like, oh, JR will shoot me a text sometime before mom or dad's birthday or their anniversary or whatever. So then my wife inherited that. So she now reminds me of all the things coming up. So I'm super grateful for that. Like JR saved me from many, many headaches where it was like, Hey, we're a week out from this and would remind me to, you know, get the present in the mail or whatever. Um, but that's, you know, we, we don't have too many stories. We didn't fight a ton, um, as kids, it was just the two of us. So it was kind of like, we, we have to be friends. Like we didn't invite other people on vacations. And so, um, I think our level of getting into mischief was, was very, very minor, um, over the years, I, I wish I could say there was, you know, we were, we were locked up together. And this one time we did time <laughs> together and parents had to come bail us out. Uh, I don't have those stories. To, and if I did, I think that would be, you know, coming out on another podcast, Doug, but right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were friends. We, we still are. And, uh, it's a bummer. We live across the country. We're able to collaborate on some things, but we love getting our families together. Um, but it just gets increasingly tough to, to do so. I know JR shared about city a year right now. We're just grateful to have a dad that's it's a friend and, and kind of a resident consultant whenever we need him. Just very wise. Um, taught both of us this love for questions. And he never like gave us a lecture on questions. He just asked us questions. And I remember going out with him on a Saturday morning and he was just genuinely interested um, in our lives. And so I think that translated. I actually remember um, he had one of the early VCR things. Like it would, it would hang off of him and there was a cord and it was like 800 pounds and my dad like weighs 120. So it was, you know, so much more than him. And he bring to our games and afterwards would interview us, whether mm. we hit like, you know, three home runs or like struck out a bunch of times, he would stick this mic in our face or the fake mic that was like a stick or his hand or something and interview us. And it's interesting that now we find ourselves behind microphones and in front of cameras. Um, and so I, I don't think it's an accident that those were sort of in our early years, um, he was sort of pulling things out of us and now we get to do the same with other people. Mm. It's funny. I was, uh, I, I, I've told this to Jay. I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but I, I always picture you guys as like, you're like the Charles and John Wesley, um, for the church in this season. And I just really appreciate the way both of you guys, uh, pour your lives into leaders. Um, it's just been really, really powerful. Now, neither of you have written any hymns yet, so I think you should up your game. Um, I know how much JR says music is his ungift, so maybe that's on you, Alan. Yeah, Alan knows how to play some music. He's led some worship. Really? Yeah, guitar man. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens. I'm actually teaching my daughter right now, and that's so fulfilling mm. to actually like pick it back up. And my kids have um, brought that love of music back to me. Mm. And um, like sometimes I just realize like I don't pick up the guitar anymore and like just sing. Like even if I can't hit the notes, just go for it. And my kids just are like, dad, play us a song. And I think they just like want to see me burn with passion for something, even if I can't hit the notes. Uh, mm. And so I love watching my daughter who's 16 now become incredibly musical, better than I ever was. Um, and so I'm te actually teaching her the guitar right now. So mm. uh, we'll, we'll talk about some hymns. I like that. I'll put that on the bucket list. Okay, Doug? Cool. cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Not just sing hymns, Alan. You got to learn how to actually write them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like write some lyrics. You can do it. It's it's just like writing a book, but a little more lyrical. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy. The the deep hymns of the soul that were written. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no pressure, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's been really great having you on the podcast, Alan. And just a couple more questions before we head out. One of the things that I find is that there's so many things in the journey of leadership and ministry we learn along the way. And so what is it that you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting out in leadership or in ministry? Any lessons along? the way, not necessarily regrets, but just lessons that you look back and say, I wish I could tell my older, my younger self what I know now. Two big things. Um, first one is that leadership translates and hard work translates. Um, 
I used to think that I can't learn anything about the next thing while I'm doing this thing right here. And it's like, God gives us this thing. And when you steward it in your hands, well, not only do you learn that thing, but you gain trust and you gain credibility. And um, if we steward that thing, we're given more and we grow and we learn. And I see so many leaders, and this has been my impulse for maybe even up to five or six years ago, was, oh, the next place will be better and more exciting. And again, my tendency for spontaneity and, and new. But the reality is, that's not where the deep things of the soul happen. That's not where growth happens. That's not where maturity happens. And so uh, somebody said to me, one time, I've never forgotten it, is that, well, that pastor didn't actually pastor for 10 years. They pastored for two years, five different times. And that just marked me as I thought, how many of us run to the next thing and sort of repeat the last two years before actually pushing into the hard, the dirty, the gritty, the painful? Um, and I don't like pain and I don't like routine and I don't like grit and hard work. I like to move on to the, the thing and just start the thing and, and then let somebody else continue it. So I think that, that the, the lessons transfer and what I've already said is who you are matters so much more than what you do. People forget what you do. People forget your last thing. People forget your last book, your last season. Um, but they know when they're in the presence of somebody who loves them and cares for them and is walking deeply with Jesus. Um, and, and maybe I would add one more is that small is actually huge is that those small conversations that people will remember that small investment that we make, um, the night when I'm bummed because only two people showed up when you thought 25 were going to, and it snowed and you're super bummed. And then you realize those were the best conversations we've ever had with these people. Um, and two and a half hours later, you know, you're hugging, crying and, and heading home. And so, um, I've actually sort of said this lesson to myself and we've twisted the paradigm a little bit and we're doing more and more smaller gatherings as we're more and more tired of information. And the big, I think is just wearing off in many ways in our culture and people are longing for coffee with someone. They're longing for the intimate, you know, maybe three people in a group or a group of four or five people that go away for a weekend versus that massive conference where we maybe feel lost in the midst of that. So those would be three that, that really stick out to me. Yeah, that's great. Well, Alan, it's been a joy. It's always a joy to talk to you. Maybe not always, most of the time since we have known each other all of our lives. But but this certainly <laughs> has been a joy and we're really grateful for this opportunity. And it's really fun to just have, look at my younger brother and be really proud of you. And so I'm really grateful for you and the work that you're doing. And in many ways, what you're doing smells a lot like what we're doing. And we need 15,000 more organizations and initiatives like what you all are doing and what we're doing because there are too many leaders out there that are unhealthy, hurting, wounded, lonely, discouraged, and in need of hope. And so thanks for what you're doing really grateful for you. Doug and I love you and we're grateful for you. And uh, thanks for joining us here this morning. We really appreciate it. Well, keep it up guys. Love what you guys are doing, whether on Monday mornings or Tuesday afternoons or whatever kind of uh, pastor you guys are encouraging, you guys are going for it. And man, have somebody else that I feel like it's a freaks like me club a little bit. <laughs> encouraging leaders and having the same conversation to write. We need more of it. So thanks for what you guys do and keep it up. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, Alan. Well, I have the privilege of always being able to be around my brother. And so a lot of these things I've heard already, but Doug, I know you know Alan uh, in the past, but some of these are probably new things to you. So what are some things that stuck out to you in this conversation that maybe you hadn't thought of before? Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more juicy, like JR and Alan growing up stuff. But uh, <laughs> but I think, on it, like honestly, it was just the smallest huge. I think the way that our... You know, even him talking about exercise um, and how developing these habits, these like small little habits have this domino effect um, and thinking, you know, you can start with like five minutes of silence a day and then end up doing like a, a half a day of silence and things like that. But just, I think a lot of times, I don't know about, about all, you know, other, our, our listeners, but there are times when I, I feel like I feel that pressure of like, man, I'm so far behind. I got to catch up. I got to make these really big, huge strides and to realize that it just starts small. I mean, you know, if you want to run a marathon, like walk out your door, you know, and start walking first, or if you want to do anything, you know, I, I want to know the Bible. Well, you can't know that until you just start reading it and mm -hmm. just realizing that 
I think sometimes we're really good at beating ourselves up and find taking off too much uh, or ma- setting these super unrealistic goals and just we have to learn the beautiful principle of starting small. So for me, that was really, 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 really helpful. And and I think too, he also said, there are those who are killing it and those who are being killed by it. That yeah. that was just a bunch of people and names came to mind on both sides of that fence and just realizing how I just appreciate pastors and kingdom leaders who are out there every day being faithful and just feeling that pressure of, of you know, wanting to continue to do well and also feeling the pressure of like being landslided this week by an yeah. email or a phone call. Yeah, that's good. In fact, it reminds me when people say, you know, it was kind of big a few years ago to say, uh, years ago to say when someone was on stage, like, oh, he's just killing it. And I was like, this is when I was like, that was sick. Like, is that a good thing or a bad yeah. thing? You know? <laughs> like he's killing it. Is that good or bad? And it was the like, no, he's killing it because he's not getting killed. Right. Right. It's kill or be killed. Kind of like that's where the phrase came from. And I think in some ways, yeah, like that, that what does it look like? I mean, that's a little violent, you know, and necessarily, um, you know, we just want to take it metaphorically, of course. And I think that's the way Alan meant it. Yeah, totally. It was in a metaphorical way. So, but that the big thing is the small thing. Um, or what was the wording? How did it go? Yeah. Uh, the small, small is huge. Small is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Small is huge. Yeah. What else? What else from the conversation? Anything stick out to you or even were you reminded of? Yeah, I I think just, well, the other thing too was just the idea of like, what do you do for fun? And, and I think that was really attached with Alan just having freedom to be who Alan is. And even just thinking about his half day of spontaneity, I just appreciated that because I feel like a lot of times uh, there's also that 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 temptation for leaders to try to adopt someone else's style and huh. someone else's personality when you just can't. I mean, if if spontaneity is an important thing to you, you have to be able to schedule that time in order for you to do that. So I feel like that was another just really helpful leadership principle. Like if you're somebody that hates spontaneity then don't, don't look at your week with all this, you know, room for spontaneity, like schedule the crap out of that thing, make it look like it's going to work for you. But I think just that freedom to be how God created you to be. Um, and, and not as a, not in a way to, to just be like, well, that's just the way I am, but also to realize, no, that's how I, that's where life comes and that's where life happens for me. Um, so I just found that really, really encouraging to just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a spontaneous guy. Um, so for me, it's always important to have that space where it's like, I have, you know, I have a couple hours throughout my work week where that I have scheduled, where it's, it's space for me to, to be flexible, Hmm. you know, like, oh, I might actually go meet with someone or I might just go, you know, sit at home and read a book, or I might go for a walk and pray. I might just go pray or I might just take a nap. I mean, having all those different things Hmm. are really important for me. And so it's just good to hear other leaders, uh, encouraging people to lead in in your strength and 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 I think that also brings us to the importance of knowing who you are and yeah. how you work and function. That's really good, and and I would agree with that. Uh, you know, growing up with Alan, uh, <laughs> Alan is a flaming seven, not a seven, a flaming seven, and uh, and I'm not. I am a one. So it's always uh, this. You know, Jared, how come you got to take yourself so seriously? And Alan, and with Alan, it's like Alan. What, life sometimes things aren't fun. Like you can't just goof off and and everything is an epic all the time. You, you, sometimes you got to do hard things that you know you got to hunker down. And I think you know. Hopefully, I've grown to be a little more more fun, and he's grown to be a little more serious over the years. Um, but you're right. Like his leadership style is different than mine. And that's not bad. It's just different. It's just different. And and recognizing that and acknowledging that's really important uh, with everybody, yeah. whether you're an Enneagram 1 or an Enneagram 7. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, it's okay. Yeah. You can get to Enneagram <laughs> later. But Alan does do Enneagram training, ironically enough. But uh, um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. What else? Any other reminders? Yeah. Anything I, stick out? I think too, just, just the idea of pastoral overwhelm, I think is the way that he phrased it. And just realizing it is so easy for, for pastors to become overwhelmed. And it is a real thing. And I keep thinking back to, you know, what does it look like to fill up your gumball machine, you know, to have areas where you're receiving life? What does it look like, you know, to put on the mask for yourself, you know, uh, to, to just pay attention to, to your own soul and to realize that the only way to to overcome that overwhelmed space is to care for your own soul. Mm. And, and I think what I appreciate too about just other things that we've heard in the last few months of, and just doing the Monday morning pastor is the way that a community of pastors really helps us in that too. People that get it, you know, you sit down in a room of pastors, you say, man, it's been a tough week. And people are looking at you like, what are you talking about? Everyone's like, oh yeah, 
totally get it. Yeah. And so I think just the idea of realizing that, that there is just a lot that can overwhelm us, but we have to remember to continue to trust Jesus, to continue to fill our lives with the good things that he has to offer. Um, and also to realize like, yeah, it's freaking hard. Name it. That's yeah. a, it's a good thing to do from time to time. Yeah. So what are some resources, JR, that, I mean, he is your brother. So I feel like you've got some good resources that we can walk away with. Yeah. I mean, he he does a lot of things similarly. I mean, his focus is more with leaders. Many of them can be faith leaders as well, where we're focusing on pastors, but there's a lot of overlap in what they're doing and they're trying to resource and make sure people are healthy and not lonely. Um, so it's, it's real easy to, to kind of let everybody know what they're doing. Um, and his, his organization is stay forth uh, designs. And so the easy way to find them is just stayforth.com. And on there, they've got, they've got a lot of resources. I mean, if you go into the resources section of the website, they've got guides, they've got tools. There's a, like a weekly planner journal, there are trainings they do. I mentioned Enneagram trainings. Um, and they've got a podcast called the right side up uh, podcast and uh, right side up leader, and they also uh, there's an ebook of a free ebook on the site called the Right Side Up Leader that recently came out. So there's lots of resources. It's easy for me to to talk openly and endorse my brother and what he's doing. And um, so lots of good resources. Feel free to check that out again. Stayforth.com. Um, so yeah, any questions boil to the surface for you, Doug, as you think about uh, our time with Alan? Yeah. I, I think the question that, that comes to mind is just what is the one, what's one small thing you can do that will make a huge impact down the road? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. This one was a little bit broader for me. The question I want to leave people with is where are you feeling a pain point or a pinch point in ministry or leadership? Oftentimes just being able to identify that you'll be able then to identify the kinds of resources or tools you might need. There are a lot of great tools out there, but, um, and I'm not very handy and Doug, you know that you're very handy. Um, if you don't know what the problem is, you don't know what tool to grab for, uh, to reach for in your, in your tool belt or your tool chest. So just what are the pain points? Where am I feeling like, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling stuck. Where am I spinning my wheels? Where do I want to gain traction? Just that alone. And just to say, Lord, just to bring that before the Lord, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. Name it. And then second of all, then I can go search for or look for or ask other pastors, hey, I need resources around this pain point. Where should I go? And uh, and hopefully what we're offering and maybe what Alan at Stay Forth is offering uh, and others on the podcast can help you with that. So um, Doug, send us out yep. here today. Pastors and leaders, if you are feeling overwhelmed today, may you be reminded that you are loved by God. And may you also be reminded that in that love, in the love of Christ that dwells in you, that he's giving you the ability to make small choices that will make a huge impact. May you recognize that he is with you and that you're not alone. 